times where I really feel the Holy Spirit wants to do stuff. Right? And that's, that's how the Christian life should be, is that we literally interact with the Holy Spirit. We hear from him. We're led by him. And then we go to a, a place, a situation, we encounter a person, and we release something from heaven. We release something from the heart of God. Okay? That is the Christian life. When I read the New Testament, that is how it's done. Right? And we have everything, everything at our disposal that, that they had even more. I mean, if you want to talk about a complete 66 books of the, the Bible. But I, I also want to say this, that when we feel safe, when we are around safe people, what happens when we feel safe? Can anybody just say what happens when we start to feel safe? We let our walls down. We get courage. We get courage. Freedom. We get freedom. We're not afraid. All that's true. When I'm around safe people, and when I believe that God is a safe God, I can start to receive. My heart can come to the surface, and I can be vulnerable. And I'm not going to be judged or trampled on or criticized or rejected. Mm -hmm. The body of Christ is supposed to be that, where no matter what you're struggling with, whatever it is, what you did last night or yesterday, be it good or bad, that we're not judging you, but we're loving you and accepting you unconditionally and encouraging you to come into your identity as a beloved child of God and to live out a life that is reflective of that, okay? I'm going to be vulnerable, and I believe that God's going to work through this to, to bring some blessing to people who maybe have a hard time being vulnerable and maybe have a hard time receiving. When I was young, I went through a, a very rough childhood. I did not get my emotional needs met. I, I was abused, just to put it bluntly, severely. I was suicidal. I was in sixth grade, quite young. Uh, when I was in junior high, I was very serious about killing myself because I had so much pain. Well, somebody came and shared the gospel with me. The gospel. The life-giving, transforming gospel of hope when I had no hope. And there was nobody in my life who could connect with my heart or understand me, even though there were some who did love me. But they didn't have that capacity. And I took a step of faith, and I, I, I said yes to who this Jesus person is. I had read the Bible. I know the, knew the story. But something happened. There, there was a supernatural work of grace where the Holy Spirit came and bore witness that Jesus is real. It's not just a story. He came in the flesh. He's historical. He rose from the dead. I responded to that gospel of grace, and it brought me into to something that I had never experienced before. Okay? That was step one. That's the big step. <laughs> step two, I was still struggling with crazy depression, crazy oppression, and I was still struggling with suicidal thoughts quite intensely. I was thinking about taking a, a big thing of sleeping pills to end it all because, again, there's just so much bad stuff going on. But I, I did something with God. 
I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this anymore. I need you to help me. And it's like, you know, beyond my salvation, beyond my baby Christian, you know, just coming into the family of God, I, I gave myself up to the Lord. I asked. And what happened was supernatural. All of a sudden, there was an instantaneous, supernatural transformation that happened in my heart and in my mind. I felt all this garbage, all of this slime uh, leave me, leave my mind. My mind felt clear. I felt like there was this awful headache type thing. My mind just, boom, it was clear. I felt love. I felt a love. I experienced a love that I had never experienced before. A love that gripped me, a love that transformed my life, a love that, that so solidified that this is real, that God is love, God loves me, I was baptized in love. Okay? And I didn't understand Romans 5.5 5 at the time because I was just starting to, to read the scripture more deeply, but let's just see what it says. What does it say in Romans 5.5? 5 5? Here's what it says. Let's see. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So I experienced the love of Father God. The Holy Spirit came in a special way into my life and filled me with a supernatural love. Okay, I was hungry for God. I was saved in an evangelical environment. And I, I started having supernatural experiences, but I didn't understand them. I, I didn't understand the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand his role, and I'd ask people about the Holy Spirit. Well, they didn't have much to say, okay? So I start working at a place called North Central University, and they're Pentecostal, and they speak in tongues. Whoa, that's kind of weird, okay? And it kind of scared me. I was intrigued, but it kind of scared me. And I'm like, I started asking people questions. I was like, when you speak in tongues, are you like possessed? Are you, are you like taken over? Do you lose control? Because again, I was afraid. I was genuinely afraid. And they started explaining this stuff to me. It's like, no, you know, that the Spirit is a subject. The Holy Spirit yields himself to our will in how he operates in our life. And I felt like that God was just saying, you need, you need something more. And I took a step of faith when I was ready, and I had somebody pray for me to start to speak in tongues. And by gum, I started to speak in tongues. Whoa. I know, it's pretty crazy, okay? Um, I can say that my, my dependency on the Holy Spirit, the move, the working of the Holy Spirit in my life has been vital, absolutely vital vital for my life. And I can say that I operate in the supernatural every day. Every single day, I hear from the Holy Spirit clearly. I get visions. I get words of knowledge. I get phrases of knowledge. I get prophetic dreams. I have a relationship with God. I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I do that ministry. I do it every day. Okay, so this is real. And it's really good. What the Holy Spirit does is really good. We see the Holy Spirit coming on people in the Old Testament. Kings. Kings and, and priests, prophets, 
get the Holy Spirit. But your common person really doesn't operate in that power. In the New Testament, John the Baptist, like even in his womb, he's got the Spirit of God in him. Right? Okay, now Jesus, the Word became flesh, comes into this world. Right? God becomes vulnerable. God allows himself to get touched. Good touch and bad touch. He allows himself to get beaten. Okay, he's 30 years old, around 30 years old, and he has not operated in the miraculous as far as we know. We don't know for certain. However, in Matthew 3.16, Jesus is coming to John the Baptist to be baptized. He could just a water baptism. It says, at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And the voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You have Father God affirming his son. You have the Spirit of God coming on Jesus. Jesus is literally filled, anointed with the Holy Spirit. And once he's filled and anointed with the Holy Spirit, then he releases the kingdom of God. And he sets a pattern for his people to operate in the Holy Spirit. After this, he calls 12 disciples to him. He gives them authority to drive out evil spirits and heal the sick. Matthew 10.1. He is empowering his disciples to do the same works that he's doing. They're not just declaring salvation. They are literally laying hands on people and they're getting healed. Demons are getting cast out of people. Okay, So they're operating in a power that is greater than than what the curse has done to this world and the kingdom of darkness, okay? There's something new that is invading this world and bringing transformation. He calls 72 to himself and releases them, and they do the same thing. John 14, 12, Jesus says to his followers, these aren't the super apostles. These aren't the super prophets. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Anyone. That's, that's Aaron over there, those two Aarons. Anyone who has faith in Jesus, you have the, the power, the equipping to do what Jesus Christ has done. Jesus only speaks truth. So that potential is there. And we know, as we read through the gospel, that Jesus... There's clashes all over the place, right? There's, there's two kingdoms. The kingdom of light is invading and displacing the kingdom of darkness. Souls are coming into the kingdom of God, and not just that, but those souls are getting empowered, right? Now, the Holy Spirit gives us power, supernatural power. Ephesians 1.9, Paul is praying for the believers, the Ephesians, and he basically is praying. We can go to Ephesians 1.9 right now. Let's see what he says there. I'm just stretching my back. Let's see. I hope I might have the right verse here. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Um, that wasn't quite what I was looking for. But maybe I have the wrong. Let me just take it one more look here. Well, anyway, it does say that we have incomparably great power. That's the verse I'm looking for. 
The Bible says it's a keep going down. Okay. 19. Okay, 19. I missed a little one there. So 19, incomparably great power for us who believe that he's, he's praying that the, I'll start with 18. I pray also the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the, the working of his might, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So, Paul wants the believers, the regular Christian believers, to grasp the reality that they have access to a limitless supernatural power that is released to them by the Holy Spirit. Right? God wants us to have that same understanding today. The Holy Spirit gives us supernatural power. John 16, 7, Jesus says that it's good for his followers that he leaves. Why is that? Why would Jesus say it's good for me to go? Any thoughts on that? Yes, I heard it in tandem. Jesus had to leave. He's at the right hand of the Father. In order for the counselor, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it's good for us to have and receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to his disciples before he leaves in John, Last Supper Discourse, the Holy Spirit's with you. He will be in you. They're going to have a, un a unique and different relationship with the Holy Spirit. They've experienced his power, but something even greater is going to be released. Jesus says in Acts 1-3, now remember, he went to the cross. He went to hell. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He rose from the dead on the third day. Now for about 40 days, he is teaching and visiting and fellowshipping with his disciples. Right? So they are convinced. They're absolutely convinced this is all real. And Jesus says to them, in Acts 1-3, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized um, with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's in Acts 4-5. So they're going to be coming together day after day after day for about 10 days because God has given them a promise. There's something that's going to happen. We don't know what it's going to look like. But the Holy Spirit's going to come in some way and there's going to be some sort of power release. And so they're, they're believing, okay, Jesus, I saw him. He's, he's, he left. We saw him go in the clouds. Now they're praying and they're praying. They're waiting. They're seeking the Lord. And now it's Pentecost. And all of a sudden it breaks out. Acts 2.2 2 talks about a wind coming upon them. We can see the manifestation of this in the book of Acts. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It's obvious. It was obvious to them that the Holy Spirit came. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. And there are other instances in the Bible where you see similar things. The gospel is going out to new territory. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes on these people. Sometimes it's before they're baptized. You know, it, it, sometimes after. It, it varies. But... When the Holy Spirit comes, they know it. It is evident. And there's evident power. There's evident manifestation. 
when the Holy Spirit comes. And it's a good thing. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Why do we need power? I, if I stand up here and preach on my own strength, it's not going to do much. But if the Holy Spirit's in me, if the Holy Spirit's leading me, Jeremy's an evangelist. He hears from God. I was with him at a store about two weeks ago, and he got words of knowledge for somebody. He was, he was praying for these people. And we started talking to a, a lady at the cash register, and she was, she was pretty broken. And we started speaking into her life. And it really touched her. And I got words of knowledge for this girl. And they were accurate. And they were specific. And she knew God is real, and God cares about my pain. This is real. And it transforms lives. Acts 4.24, okay, they're, they're empowered in Acts 2.2, and then through a couple chapters, um, there's persecution that's going on, right? As they're preaching the gospel, they're operating in signs and wonders. But there is opposition by the Pharisees. Acts 4.4, 4, they are praying for God to perform signs and wonders in the name of Jesus, and God immediately responds to that prayer says the place where they were prayed was shaken. There's actually like an earthquake. There is a physical manifestation of the activity of the Holy Spirit. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They were refilled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time thing. In Ephesians 5.18, the Apostle Paul encourages the already Spirit-filled believers to be filled yet again with the Holy Spirit. And if you're a Greek person... The tense is a, con a continuational uh, tense, present, active, indicative. It doesn't suggest a mere one-time experience. This is like literally, I need to continue to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, When I'm operating in the Spirit, when I'm operating in the power of the Spirit, I'm literally releasing that power into other people's lives. And I need to be refilled. So I, I seek God, I pray, I worship I do this stuff practically every day, you know, like I'm always seeking God every day. And when I go after God, when I ask him to fill me with his spirit, you know, he does. He does. Spiritual gifts. How many people would say they operate in spiritual gifts? And if you don't, that's fine. But the Bible says that the spiritual gifts are for every believer. Like the Holy Spirit gives gifts as he wills. I mean, to everybody... He wants to be equipped. And I'm just going to run through a list of these, okay? If you want to learn more about the spiritual gifts, look 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. Look at Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, teaching, administration, discernment of spirits. Okay, on Friday, I broke demons off of three Christians. And... Every time I did, they felt manifestations. They felt change. Right? We are in a spiritual war, and I was able to bring liberty to these people because I'm seeking after God, I'm asking for these gifts, and I'm stepping out in faith. Okay? And I'm going to just sidetrack a little bit, but I believe it's a Holy Spirit sidetrack. 
So one of the guys, he trusts me. This is a person who trusts me, who I show unconditional love to, who has a relationship with me. I'm just meditating on him over the, the week, and I feel like the Lord says he's looking at things he shouldn't look at, specifically on Craigslist. And the enemy's really got him ensnared now. So I call him. I say, how are things going? And he's like, well, are you looking at things on Craigslist by chance? He's like, yeah. And he hasn't done stuff like this in a long, 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 years, years, years. Well, yeah, God showed me that. And God didn't show me that to condemn him or to shame him, but to go where he's at with compassion and grace and bring freedom. Okay? Satan works through lies. And when we didn't get the love that we needed for mom and dad, we are way more susceptible to look to destructive means to try and fill unmet needs that only hurt us more. Okay? So I talked with him a bit over the phone, and, and he shared some things with me. And then I asked him to come over to my house a few days later. And he's like, let's pray. Let's just start praying. And, and I said to him, part of you doesn't want to let go. I could, I could literally feel some of these spirits on, them, on him. And um, as I pray, I can get visions. I can see these things. I get words of knowledge. And I could tell him. I could tell him. I said, you're struggling with these fantasies. You want to act on it, and you're, you're indulging in these fantasies. I, could be, I was so specific as to exactly how the enemy was working through his mind and manipulated him. And I was like, are you willing to let these things go? And he struggled for a long time. I was patient. I was just speaking truth. And then finally he said, yes, I'm willing to let these things go. And he started the prayer first, renouncing and repenting, and then I commanded things to break. And his heart shifted. His mood shifted. The way he was thinking and related to me shifted. There was immediate transformation. I, I've looked at things in the past that I shouldn't have looked at. Okay? And I feel the Lord has asked me to say these things right now because I believe some of us here have opened doors in our lives. When we look at things like that, we're opening doors for the enemy really to mess with us. And we, our minds can, we can lose control of our own minds and our own thoughts, get compulsive thoughts, strong urges, see things, images, impressions of things we've looked at, and it's all empowered by demons. So if we've looked at that stuff, we need deliverance. Okay? And I'm not going to judge anybody. As I said, I've, I've looked at things I shouldn't in the past, right? We're all in the same boat. We need the mercy of God. And if you want to talk to me afterwards or email me or next week, I'd be happy to pray for you because God wants you to have the real thing. He wants you to have love. You are worth love. You are worth respect. You are worth dignity. And you are not loving yourself and you're not respecting yourself if you're looking at that stuff. And our sexuality is so powerful. Okay? Tim's going to be speaking on anxiety next week. Do you know that secular psychology has studied the effects of looking at this stuff on people and how much deep anxiety it creates on a lot of people? Literally, it gives them this restlessness, this unsettledness, this anxiety, and then they stop looking, the anxiety just goes away. Okay? If some of us are struggling with anxiety, maybe we need to stop looking at certain things in our lives. And obviously, there's a lot of other things that give us anxiety. But I, I'm just going to pray that right now, okay? I'm just going to pray, do a blanket prayer. Father, for those of us 
who have looked to meet our unmet needs or to, to heal our wounds or nurture our wounds in ways that have been very damaging, where you've opened doors uh, to, to things that, that are impure, that have robbed us, and that have gained control over us, Father. Just pray for grace, Father, that we just break all ties with those images, with those people, with those sites, and we give it all to you. We give it all to you, God, that you have something better for us than that. And if our hearts are at a place where we're willing to let go, of spirits, of, of any spirits of pornography, spirits of lust. Father God, enticing spirits, lust of the mind, lust of the eyes, fantasy. Father, all the perversion, all the spirits of perversion that, that come into our lives. When we open those doors, God, we just ask for a cleansing right now. And we ask for a healing because this stuff literally damages our hearts. It damages our ability to be intimate with people. So Father, heal our hearts. Heal us if we've done these things. And thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to go back on track. Paul casts out a fortune-telling demon. He discerns it. He makes it go in the book of Acts. Peter's shadow, he's so anointed, so filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody just walks in his shadow, they get healed. Is it possible maybe that that could happen in our lives? I happen to think so because of John 14, 12. I have faith. I have a faith to say that I come to a place where I expect healing and if I don't see healing when I lay hands on people, I get like disappointed. Um, and I don't understand why not everybody gets healed. Some people I've laid hands on, they do get healed. Some don't. I don't, I don't understand how that works. But I'm going to continue to step out in faith because it's a promise of God. And the promise of God is greater than my experience. It has more authority and more weight than my experience. And if I continue to press in, maybe I'll see more and more and more people healed. Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit. Now we talked about the gifts, the empowering gifts of the Spirit. Okay, now we're going to talk about the attitude transforming, emotionally healing fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is from Galatians 5.22. It says, The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think I'm operating the fruit of the Spirit now. You know, there's challenging things that I'm going through in my life. I probably got like three and a half hours sleep last night. One of my, my uh, close family members has got stage four cancer, and there's other unpleasant things that I have to deal with. But you know what? There's a supernatural joy and a supernatural strength that I'm operating right now that is not based on how much sleep I got last night or these circumstances because I'm so plugged into the Holy Spirit. I'm so uh, seeking after the heart of God that I can rise above these things. It doesn't mean that I, don't, that I do have to struggle with them. I have to give the pain over to God and process that with him. But I don't have to be a slave to circumstances, to negative circumstances. I don't have to be a slave to the past. God gives me an alternative that is supernatural and really is enjoyable. I, I'd, I'd rather walk in love and joy and peace than in depression. Okay? But if I'm struggling with depression, I shouldn't be ashamed of myself. I just need to be honest and deal with the roots of that 
and continue to bring it to the Lord. But maybe I can have a supernatural joy even when I'm working through my sorrow. If I ask God for that joy, he'll give it to me. The kingdom of God consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Right? We can ask God anytime uh, for the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to be doing communion in a minute or two here. I believe God's going to minister in some special ways during communion. Okay, and I started off the message talking about a powerful experience of the love of God. I believe for some of us, I believe some of us are in desperate need this morning to experience the love of God. And I believe the grace of God, the love of God, is here for us. And I, the, the thing that I mentioned before about that struggle that some of us have, I believe God's going to bring some more deliverance and healing from that yes. during communion this morning. Um, the Holy Spirit is a person. We can grieve him. He's a counselor. He's a comforter. He, he is always for us. Right? The Bible says if God be for us, who can be against us? If I looked at pornography last night, you know what? God's still for me. If I failed, God is still for me. And God wants to pick me up, embrace me. You're my son. You're my daughter. You have so much value to me, and it's not based on your works. It's based on who you are. It's based on your heart. It's unconditional. And I want my love. I want you to so encounter my love that you don't look to these things anymore, that the desire just goes away. Real love does that. Real love breaks those kind of bondages in our lives. So now we're going to transition into communion. Yeah. Jesus came to earth. He didn't have to. He chose to. For God so loved the world. For God so loved Stephen, right? For God so loved Hannah. For God so loved all of us. He knew all of the junk that we would get ourselves into, but God still loved us. He knew that we'd fail over and over again even after we said yes to Jesus. But he so loved us, right? That Jesus came into this world and he came to suffer. He came to go to the cross. He lived a sinless life. He literally became my sin. He became my pornography addiction. You understand what I'm saying? He became that. He took it on. And he satisfied the wrath of God. He satisfied the justice of God so that I could be free from that addiction, so I could be free from other addictions. I'm legally no longer a slave to sin, right? His grace is here to set me free this morning. And before he went to the cross, you know, he took the bread, he took the wine, right? and you're getting the, the bread and wine, if you have a, a saving relationship with Jesus this morning, please take the bread and the wine. If you don't, you know, it's really not for people who are out of the covenant of grace. If you don't know Jesus and you'd like to get to know him, if you'd like to trust him as your Lord and Savior, that'd be pretty awesome. And if anybody is here who doesn't know Jesus and wants to their lives over to him, you know, Paul Anderson or myself, 
uh, Bob Ryan, if he's around, we'd be happy to, to lead you into a relationship with Jesus this morning. But by his wounds, we're healed. We're healed emotionally. We're healed physically. He bore our infirmities. He took up our iniquities. The wrath of God was upon him. As he, he was whipped, he was lashed. They pulled out chunks of his beard. They put the crown of thorns on him. His body was broken that we might be healed. His blood was shed that we might be forgiven. He is the new covenant. Jesus is the new covenant of grace. We are under grace this morning, not under law. We're liberated from fear this morning. The Bible says that we are to examine ourselves before we take the elements. So we're just going to take a minute here. If there's just anything that you want to give over to the Lord, God might convict you of something this morning. He doesn't condemn, he convicts. And he convicts because he wants us to be free. He doesn't shame us. He's so merciful, he's so tender. And he knows that sin hurts us doesn't want us to be hurt. He wants us to be joyful and connected to each other in a meaningful way. So, Father, just let your loving Holy Spirit speak to our hearts this morning. Minister to our hearts. Just give all of our shortcomings to you. Free us, Father, if we're in bondage. We pray for supernatural grace to work through communion this morning, to even bring a, a heart revelation of, of your heart and how much you love us, Lord. That we are all righteous in your sight this morning. We're righteous through Jesus Christ this morning. Jesus broke the bread and gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Pray that you bless this which represents your body, Lord. And Jesus took the cup. He said, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins, for your cleansing. Do this in remembrance of me. Oh, Father, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to come in a very special way this morning mm -hmm. to do a deep work in our hearts. We invite you, God. We invite you, Holy Spirit. You are God. And I just feel like the Lord is coming. I feel like his presence is increasing. And I feel like he is moving on our hearts, that he's brooding over our hearts right now. And that there's some deep things, some deep transactions that he wants to do. So, Lord, give us the grace. We can trust you. We give our hearts and our struggles and our shame over to you. 
right now. One of the things that we're going to do is pray for little Sophia. Sophia's mother is from 